the Mogul Mongrel Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. Kira James is ready to disrupt the cheese industry in a new and exciting way. With a degree in gastronomy, a cheesemongering pedigree that started at Formaggio Kitchen in Boston, and getting to work with some of the best in the business like the Antonellis, she's primed and ready to make big moves. Listen in as we walk through the path on how she got here. My name is Kira James. I've been in the cheese and food industry for almost 10 years now. Uh, my journey kind of started uh, as a effect of having adult onset allergies. And so I kind of fell into cheese as I got, as I got my master's degree. I worked at Camacho Kitchen uh, and just loved education. always just loved sharing the information, seeing people's face when they learn something new. And when I see my face when I learn something new and um, always kind of stuck with me. So kind of did some work uh, with education, like counterculture uh, for a little bit. And then I opened up a couple of cheese shops in the Boston area um, and then needed to kind of get out of that crazy world. So I took a job out of the industry, but back in uh, back into cheese uh, first uh, with Own Your Funk, which I'll talk about, but then also uh, working with the Antonellis. So the pandemic, I was offered a job to be a virtual event host with them. So I teach a lot of cheese events virtually now as well. And then uh, the journey has kind of gotten me to a place where I feel um, I want to stay in the industry and I love cheese and education, but having been isolated for some time now and within myself, um, the best way I feel like I can be a part of the industry is by bringing something new in a new way. So starting my own business, own your funk, new, new approach to cheese. Um, and yeah, just kind of taking it from there. So. You said master's yeah. degree? Yes. So can you tell me, what did you go to school for? Yeah, so I went to Boston University. Um, uh, my master's degree is in gastronomy, which is uh, food and culture studies. Nothing to do with digestion, people often think, but it's uh, more of like sociology and the anthropology of food. So like what the kitchen table did for mankind or what like fire did for us and really like that nerdy stuff at the same time I just started at Formaggio Kitchen um, who um, for those who don't know they have their own direct importing licenses which means they can bring whatever they want from wherever they want however they want really and that means that you can really learn those stories and I was able to like use my knowledge like I did anthropology study on Formaggio and it was all right when I was learning about cheese and so it was just kind of like it was like meant to be and I just like really just fell in love in like a different kind of way what was just about the story and like wanting to share that with people and knowing how much that changed how I approach food and um, how I think it can for others too. Where do you think that your interest in food came from? Um, well I know yeah I know well I've always loved food uh, my mom was a great cook um, lots of home cooking you know I love fried chicken and calories and I'll be that person all day long um, but my love for food really came from when I was in my early 20s. I uh, had a, those adult onset food allergies, so I really had to watch what I was eating, um, my like skin conditions and whatnot. So nothing too serious, but I did have to watch what I was eating. So basically, 
graduating Syracuse, feeling pretty lost out of, you know, I was an athlete, so no longer having that in my life. And I just fell into the food network and it just became my obsession. So like, just, I'm just one of those people who just, that was my food story. I really loved the marketing of it, the storytelling of it. Um, and that was sort of what I wanted to bring to the table. So I got my degree thinking I was going to go into like corporate marketing or like work for like a bigger company. I love Dunkin' Donuts. I love, I thought that was going to be my path. And then boom, artisan cheese was like, here you go, girl. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that's right. Where I, where I am. I like that you had the idea of Duncan, but it totally took another turn. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love Duncan. We don't have it out here in Washington, but every time I get to a, an airport where I'm like, oh, there's Duncan, I gotta go get some. They got this snack game and they're like seasonal special. Anyway. Yeah. I love different, it. Different days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway. so from Agio kitchen, I've yeah. had the pleasure of going there and, uh, or I can't remember which one I went to, but I went to one and it was, it's a very special place. Can you talk a little bit about working there and kind of getting your cheese chops there? I love to talk about from Agio kitchen. Um, yeah. So mentioning the direct importing licensing. So they imagine just like these, uh, shells just compact as tightly as possible with things you've never heard of from all over the world, but categorized in ways that if you're familiar with the foods of those cultures or from those parts of the world, um, the highest and the best quality from the best hands, you know, uh, from your grandma's hands type thing. So uh, there was a lot of story behind it. Uh, if you imagine just every product having their own individual signage, telling you about the product, where it's coming from. Um, and then, of course, their main um, focus was cheese. So having over 200 different types of cheese where every morning us mongers unwrap and clean and wrap those cheeses at every piece. Um, the two hour process that you really, when you got to do, when you got to be the opening cheese monger at Formandale, like it was a thing. Like you got to be in charge of unwrapping all these cheeses and really like being there for them, you know? Um, and that was definitely a big part of my, my growth with them. And then I moved into education and became their event manager. And they do a lot of, uh, cheese 101 type events, but also lots of private events, um, and really uh, cultural fo cultural focuses. So like French cuisine, Italian cuisine, because they have those products that are from like the cows make the cheese right next to where the jam is made type relationship that in the class setting, like that, that I was so lucky that that was the type of, those are the types of stories I got to tell as my first like teaching experiences. Um, and yeah, from there on out, it's like cheese information for me. Like I read, I hear about a cheese once and it's just up there for like pretty much ever. So yeah, like I, I can't, can't stay away. <laughs> but for Maggio, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. Everyone should, should learn about it just because of their story. They have cheese caves. Um, they had, they built them underneath the shop. So in the early seventies, um, cheese caves are, you know, uh, can be anything really controlled uh, environments, but they were natural stone basements that they converted into cheese caves. Um, which allowed them to bring in even more cheese to take care of being the first one to do that. Now we have so many people doing it. So if you know of like Marie's or Crown Finish, um, definitely you should think about um, researching from Agio and those older um, people who started off because there's just so much history there. I almost spent way too much money there because I was just like, I have never <laughs> seen any of this stuff, especially since on the West Coast, we already don't get a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff doesn't mm -hmm. make it this far over so it was just like whoa this is like blowing my mind how much different stuff there is here so 
It's pretty cool. That's yeah. a, it's a wonderful start to a long history with cheese. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about Own Your Funk. Tell me about it. What's yeah. going on? What are you doing with it? Um, these are great questions that I really am going to embrace the community to help me figure out. Um, the long and short of it was it's been an idea I've had in my mind for some time. I'm connecting to my professional and personal life happening. Um, I, I used to consume substances to get out of my funk. And I used to say that a lot, like I need to get out of my funk, you know? So after a while you start saying own your funk here, talking about, you know, mental health and things like that more with myself. And then really just reconnecting to cheese again, you know, having stepped away for a few years, not really stepped away, just um, I was more of in a role of like class coordinator. So I wasn't teaching. Um, but now with the COVID and the pandemic and things, I got to start this business while also teaching virtually. So really um, having that immersive experience um, wanting to offer that in a new way. Um, so Own Your Phone is basically um, a new approach to cheese and cheese education um, with a mix of self-empowerment. So um, I'll be offering specific experiences to start um, with different focuses, so sensory focuses, flavor focuses, just trying to bring the same information just in a new way, um, a new approach perhaps to people who haven't really um, been attracted to the offerings of the industry as is, um, being a part of something for so long and wanting so much more for it and seeing so much more for it and then not really having or feeling as though I have the options to make the things happen. Um, kind of had to get to a place, a, a place where um, I was like, I'm going to do it myself. So Own Your Funk was like the thing I said and it became the title of my company. And from there, uh, I really wanted it to become like a mindset. I want people to live live their flaws and starting off with just cheese education and the fact that you know cheese is this living thing that's unapologetic um i want to talk about um the relationship to the environment in a new way you know just really just throwing everything out the window that we kind of already that we've talked about with cheese and just bringing new things um partnership opportunities or collaborations with people telling producer stories in a more real way um talking more about the economics of the industry. And, you know, we, we are an artisan, small produced industry, but there are a lot of, there's lots of money here and you need a lot of money to start a farm. So as much as I want people of color in the industry and I'm going to do my best to make that happen, I know that you need money to, to do that. So really talking about how we're going to make these changes in a real, in a new way, um, in a fun way. So yeah, for now, it's really just um, me reconnecting with, my, my industry, my people. Um, and then I'll be moving to Baltimore in the next week. Uh, so just starting a new adventure in a new city. Baltimore is, I have a lot of family ties there. Um, and I really want to learn about the culture and the food culture there. And I think I can uh, bring a lot to that really diverse and like uh, rich culture. So that's the next step. Uh, beyond that, who knows? I have some consulting work. Start, I'm going to help open up some shops. We're gonna, you know, there's lots of stuff happening. I want to do uh, some kidding tours around the country, just playing with a bunch of goats. Um, I want to bring a bunch of brown people to farms. Like it's just gonna be whatever it's gonna be. But I really want my first goal is to be accepted by everyone and really just have it be a conversation about owning your funk, you know, trying these new things, these new new ways. And so I'm just hopeful that, you know, I'm accepted when when those things are able to happen. But right now we're virtual. <laughs> right we'll do, yeah. we'll do this yeah 
Uh, Well, that's exciting. Baltimore, new city. I've wanted to visit. I haven't been there yet. I had a really good friend who passed away a couple years ago, but he was from Baltimore and he was one of the truest souls I've ever met. So like, I feel like he's kind of a good representation of what I might experience there. And also John Waters. I mean, come on. Uh, but that's excited. And I'm excited to see the city through your eyes. So that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, part of owning your funk is my own uh, flaws, right? Of like not really being like the best on a stream, like in person, like I'm good money, but like I'm definitely going to be working more at like putting more of those things on screen when I get to Baltimore and like really uh, looking for the engagement from that community and my virtual family that I'll hopefully continue to nurture, uh, nurture as well. So yeah, exciting, scary, but exciting always. <laughs> scary is fun though. <laughs> Keeps you on your toes. Um, so obviously COVID has affected all of us in so many different ways. Can you talk about how it's affected you and how it's affected your cheese world and like kind of what you've been through in the last couple of years? Uh, definitely. Yeah. So the thing that I, focus on or think about with the pandemic and COVID is that I think it really was a catalyst or kind of escalated a lot of inevitable. I feel like a lot of things in people's minds or like those like itches or like those like things that people may have wanted to do in their lives or, or, or either positive or negative, but it really just um, unfortunately and fortunately allowed for these things to happen. Our health, healthcare system issues, you know, all these things were able to come to light as well. Um, for me, there was definitely, you know, I had my, my share of uh, ups and downs through the years, um, impacted by the pandemic and just bad luck, you know, so uh, it was a tough time for me, but it was definitely, at, uh, coincidentally, in the, in, the, in the best possible way, it was when I was getting sober as well, so came out of rehab, pressed to death, uh, went to a sober house for six months, uh, and then I started to work at a restaurant and then shut down and it was like so I'm really excited about like just being this new uh here and the pandemic has kind of like halted that so like in terms of what's to come of that is own your funk right so unfortunately like I I I was stunted in some ways but it it progressed me to really push this company forward much slower start now that I'm starting it earlier than I thought I would right so it's a different way um but the good things about silver linings, as we say, about the pandemic um, is that I got to work with the Antonellis more. So John and Kendall are two of my dear friends in the industry. You know, I had my insecurities coming back to the industry of, you know, and, and, and how relationships were left or things like that. And I just feel really good about like always being welcome back to the cheese industry. It's such a welcoming and you know, everyone's always here for you. And so, you know, Kendall reached out for other opportunities and I was like, you know, I, I'm not really working right now. She's like, well, we're actually starting this virtual program. Like, do you want to host? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I love it. And I, it's allowed me to then uh, show my confidence in a new way, right? My intellectual confidence, confidence and more my personality that I had to keep in the house for a pandemic. So as much as like at the beginning, everyone like disliked Zoom, like I was getting ready today. Like I get the hang out Janae, you know, like not even thinking that like, I don't get to touch you, right? So like that's those are silver linings of the pandemic where it's like, um, especially with the cheese industry where it, it gave me opportunities that I really wouldn't have had without it, um, or it would have just taken me longer to, you know, get out of my own way to, you know, to get going. So yeah. 
Yeah, I um, I was really excited to talk to you because uh, as we kind of mentioned in our emailing and talking this week, I am celebrating 10 years sober myself and that's a huge freaking deal. And you just celebrated two years sober and, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that like as cheesemongers, like when people come up to the counter, they're like, oh, wine and cheese, that's just obviously the thing. Um, and that's a hard thing to kind of think about of like, yeah, well, no, not for me, (laughs) not for me. It's not, but you enjoy whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm glad to be able to sit and talk with you at this, you know, venture in your world. And, um, can you talk a little bit about what that's kind of been like in like with your career? And like, I know that like, it's been really interesting because I am part of like Ben's friends. And so we've been doing zoom for the last two years and I've seen a lot of people Mm -hmm. come in and getting sober over the pandemic. And there's been some like good things and weird things about it because you do (laughs) sequestered and then you have to like now be out in the world a little bit more. So can you tell me about that a little bit? Definitely. Um, Yeah. Part of, you know, my whole thing and like what I want the mindset to be is just putting your yourself, your flaws out there first, right? You know, she's put the funk out there before you even want it, right? So for me, I always put my my sobriety story and my things out front. So uh, it's always uh, been something that I talked about. And I think with the, with the pandemic happening at the same time of my progress like it really was like what I needed to happen like I always say I need to fall on my face to like really learn anything like I'm that stubborn if any of y'all out there know me uh, I'm that stubborn uh, but I had literally fell on my face to you know get the help I needed or you know a little scar to prove it um so like with the pandemic like it, it was definitely like something where like I really had to push myself you know I was in the house for a year you know I, my whole life path had drastically abruptly changed like most people did right I didn't have a job um so uh there was a lot that I had to decide and I had to do it sober um I tried to continue to I was getting into AA um right when I got when I was in the sober house um and then the the uh shutdown happened and so I tried to do some virtual but like I'm just a person like an in-person so I just really didn't continue that work online and so what I kind of did was I fell into my work and kind of yeah just used the, the own the song but um yeah working in she's mostly has been through the pandemic but I haven't really had to do much like actual alcohol involvement but for me like I can still be around it um I still enjoy teaching about it I still I worked at a brewery part-time this summer I didn't drink the beer but I smelled it and I wanted to know when I had new beers out um Every, everyone's sobriety story is different and I am very open about you know how much I love alcohol and I, how much I you know I I think people should enjoy it but it makes people uncomfortable and it's like let's stop being uncomfortable about it you know y'all can drink your alcohol I'm gonna drink my polar strings and we're gonna have a great time um I think the hard part is that first thing and I hate that it's, I hate that it's so true but like admitting it is the first step and it was really like seeing people go through that in the pandemic or like when people hear you do it it's when people hear you're like admit you've admitted it it's like they feel dirty in a way like you know like oh here's admitted it like you know maybe I should admit something like it's so it's interesting like how what it's done for the people around me in my life um and how they treat substances 
and how they kind of step back, you know, the educational part of it. I didn't know, like for me, that was the biggest part of getting sober was how much I learned about um, the brain and mental health. You know, it's a huge muscle that we don't have control over. We think we do, or we think that our therapist is helping us, but really they're just helping us with the skills and, you know, those exercise moves uh, to make it stronger. Um, but sobriety is the best thing that I, I ever did. You know, I'm that person. I don't speak about it in, in, a, in, a, in a big way, but I, I, I put it out in the open pretty quickly. Um, and I just hope that, yeah, I can help more people do so. I think through the pandemic, uh, I, my openness has, I, I've seen it help. And like, that's part of the process. And it's like, dang, another thing that they're right about. Like when you help somebody, it makes you feel better. I'm like, dang, you okay. Um, but yeah, it's just been, a, it's been an exciting process. And, you know, I say this all the time too, and I recommend 28, 35 days away to anyone, you know, in whatever context, I ain't saying we all got to go to rehab, but I definitely feel like taking that time to like focus on this muscle, um, was just made a world of difference for me. And, um, like, yeah, the, the, it sounds that way because it's true. And like, you know, I never, like, you just know, no, you never know who you're going to be until, you get there, yes, if that makes any sense. And yeah, I just, uh, sober here is very much the same tier, but just confident. So that's cool. I just, you know, I just want to continue doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I um, relate to that in so many different ways because when I got sober, I didn't do AA. I didn't have any sort of sober community for the first eight years of my sobriety. Wow. I yeah. just did it. And I literally just woke up and was like, okay, I'm done drinking. I don't, like the way it's making me feel anymore. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just not something that I need in my life. And what I've found is that when I'm not waking up hungover every day, I'm not telling myself that I'm the biggest piece of crap out there and that I'm not worth these things. Like now I can actually think those things, but it kind of bypasses a little bit quicker. It can be like, that's not a, that's not a correct thought actually. Like I'm going to push back yeah. on that thought a little bit and just be like, no, I am worth something. And I'm not the worst person on the planet because I made a stupid comment. So mm -hmm. the confidence piece is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, there's no reassurance that you have to make on yourself. Like, you you know you who you are every second of the day, and that's like weird to think about. But like, I use substances for almost 20 years of my life. Like, and like your brain doesn't even fully develop, and I was already deep in deep in these streets, you know. So like, um, it's just really, just really cool. I think, and I am proud of myself and I, you know, coming back to the cheese industry, you know, I know that I was, um, you know, not my full self in, in, in social situations that, you know, I, it, you have to live with those experiences and, you know, I, some, everyone deals with them differently. And I feel like the, the cheese industry just continues to amaze me and how much like you know everyone is accepting of you who you are no matter what you're doing you know I think uh yeah I just I just love that I can be back I did CMI you know last month and that was really cool to be there sober and you know see everyone and you know Adam sober now and it's like we sober um it's just yeah it's just 
it's just a, it's just new and I'm it's exciting to bring it to the cheese industry more. I definitely you know want to do something, you know, hopefully in like Oregon next summer, you know, that would be really cool and just like just bring it more to the forefront. But yeah, I I I think that the issue is people think they have to like take a side, like no alcohol, alcohol, and there's like all these amazing beer alcohols coming out. But like you don't have to do that. I'm a cheese monger and I know my wine you knows come at me. Like I don't have to drink it to know that. And that's the thing about being a monger, like that own your funk also wants to help do is like the intellectual property is so powerful that your bosses don't really tell you about, you know? So like you feel like you only have this these certain paths to go when like you can do whatever you want with it. And yeah. Right. And also that knowledge that you picked up when you were studying these sort of things, it doesn't go away. So like, you know what a Pinot Noir tastes like if it's from Oregon, like there's a very specific flavor profile. It's, you know, you don't have to taste it to know that. I can sell wine, no problem. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Um, And it's hard not to sound like that way, but like I can sell wine, but like I can't, like I can, like that's the thing. It's because people want to put food so high up but it's still just food, you know, like it's all just great. You know, like it's, I know wine, just like, you know, snack food flavors or juice flavors, you know, it's just a matter of what you're passionate about or what you put your efforts into. Like people can care more anyway. I wanted to come back to the Cheesemonger Invitational because you've competed a few times. Yes. Yes. Two times. So this was your second time. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about the difference of competing as a sober person versus your last experience? Like how, how did that go? Cause you've done way well, more you did well, better both times though. And you know, that that's the thing about here and a lot of functioning alcoholics, right? Like I was, I was able to be successful, um, when I was, um, not in complete control. Um, but CMI, you know, the, the first one was 2017. Um, and I, made top six competed on stage and that and ended up in fourth place and then this year i made top six and tied to third place um overall um and so the on-stage experience um there was a lot the one thing that i didn't have was like to calm those nerves down so like when they call my name i like do my i call my ugly cheer cry where it's like this like whole body like my shoulders go and like um, so there was a lot more nerves and like, I fuddled through the, like, uh, I butchered, um, a piece of Emmental. It was just like, anyway, there were some things that like, I definitely, um, felt different, but what that allows me to do now is like, my hindsight is way more clear. Like the, what would have happened if I was drinking, I would have just beat myself up. I would have, you know, I would have made the same types of excuses, but I probably wouldn't have thought of resolutions for, you know. Maybe it's time you get back behind the counter. You're, you call yourself a cheesemonger and you're starting a business, you know, and you, you are a cheesemonger because cheesemonger can be defined in, in new types of ways, I feel. Um, so I competed, but, you know, there were some things that, you know, you really only do when you're behind the counter. So I'm going to Baltimore and I have a friend who runs a Firefly Market uh, stand and the wine source has uh, a counter. So I may be able to help out those people. So that's, I may have not done that if I was, still drinking I may have just like beat myself up and maybe just left the industry again you know there's just so many things that um the clarity that comes from it um the experience was so fun because I have a personality that's extroverted I I feed off of others energy I kind of need it to to thrive so put me on a stage you really can't tell me nothing and uh so that I I now know that is just me and not alcohol so CMI was something that I you know I hadn't been sober or social 
because of the pandemic and so long. So it was an opportunity to remind myself of that, that I hadn't really got to do since being sober um, because we've been in the house so much. Um, I had a 35th Zoom birthday party where basically everyone just watched me dance by myself in my house. So like that was pretty bad, bad language. Um, but this was like the next like social thing. So yeah, it was definitely like, I hadn't really thought about it right now, but yeah, it was definitely like, um, I can be more proud of the thing, not more proud, um, more, more sure of my, of the pride I have for myself because like it was all, all me all the time. Yeah. That's powerful. Scary, but powerful. Well, and I think that there's something to be said for not relying on a substance to get you through something that is nerve wracking and whatnot, being able to actually just like sit in that uncomfortable feeling. I'm not good at it. I don't particularly like being up on stage or whatever, but like still being able to do those things completely sober, it makes you kind of feel invincible a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, bring yeah. it on. I can do anything. <laughs> it's like a superpower that like, like you want to shout from the rooftop but like you also know how much like people really love their alcohol and like you don't really want to like burst those bubbles so like all we can do is just keep showing them that you can do it without it and then there's like dibble you know dibs and dabs you know maybe but it doesn't matter like it's not for everyone it's for those who choose the life and that we get to have it and we get to share how fun it is so yeah Well, I appreciate you being so open about it because I have been open about my sobriety from the beginning. And I feel like it's getting easier now because so many people are a lot more sober curious and like a lot more people are kind of coming to that, that thought process of like, maybe I don't drink all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it is getting a little bit easier, but, um, I, one of the reasons why I, am so loud about it is because of the fact that I know that the me putting myself out there as a sober person and as a sober cheesemonger ultimately will help someone somewhere in some sort of way. And just like letting them know that it's a possible thing. Like it's something you can do. It's like really okay. And you can be successful as a cheese person. So So thank you for being a part of that. Oh, you're welcome. I I think the biggest uh, the most powerful thing in my uh, getting sober journey or like going through uh, the rehab outpatient pro- process, all those things was like the storytelling. Like when you go to meetings or when you have these other people telling their stories, like, again, I love, I've just always loved hearing stories and sharing experiences to create new stories, but hearing other people's uh, stories about how they got to where they were or how they be- became an addict or how they, when they lost control, like, hearing when somebody else did it like that's so cool like that's yeah that was huge so yeah I think for me like I can think of a moment where we were at um a bar you know a counterculture event and like you were like mad confident not drinking I was like she's just sitting here not drinking huh <laughs> she's just not no one no one's gonna notice like and that was when I was like that was part of like when I was thinking I can like control and all these things and so I just I definitely have looked to you and so I was as you say that, I can tell you right now, you've done been that for me and um, your confidence, you've forged your own path through this industry and definitely, yeah, somebody that has inspired me for sure. So, yeah. Um, like what advice would you have for people who are maybe at that point of being scared to 
not I mean own their funk but also like um you know just kind of on that trajectory or thinking about it any thoughts on like how you would talk to someone who is in our industry who is scared of like well what do I do when you know there's beer and wine and there's this and I have to have pairings and like how would you approach that conversation Hmm. I mean talking about it was always good for me um if you're not necessarily at a place where you feel like you can share with somebody else um a suggestion that was given to me a long time ago was imagine that you have a couch in your head and allow for yourself to lie down in your couch on your head you know for a little bit of time and like just try to internally talk it out like words matter I say it a lot and like people are like, oh, here, stop saying that. But I'm like, they do. Like, the, the word you choose, you have to think about it. And that is a thought that came from somewhere else. Like, it's all kind of connected. So, I mean, talking it out is the best thing. You can replay your actions all you want. Um, you can think of the next right thing. There's lots of, you know, alcohol, synonymous lines that I can shoot out at you right now. But I feel like the first thing is just talking. You know, for me, um, I just made phone calls to people you know, who were sober or um, that I found out went through a recovery process, like years, like just people in my life that I didn't even know. And like, I just reached out and like over time I did the, the right thing. And then the next one and then the next one and like that. And then now today, is, I'll do today, you know, so I, in this industry, it's really tough, but you know, we're, all a bunch of weirdos you know like it's an industry where like you don't have to be an extrovert because you sell a product that you're so passionate about that you could talk to a wall about these and probably love the conversation you know so that's why it doesn't matter if you're introvert extrovert um we're all like you know going to cmi i was like damn those mad queer people over here like that's awesome like i it's just it was just so fun and like um it's an industry that draws this this uh freedom but we we don't really nurture it well like we don't keep people here and so it's just maybe just uh, you know I want to say hit me up like that's what I want to say because I I want to do that for everyone but I know I need to stop doing that but like you can you know reach out to somebody that you just feel comfortable talking to that you know won't judge you or that um you trust you know you you, you will be surprised by what other people have been through and, and unfortunately we aren't designed to just openly share it you know we kind of have to be like like you know can I can I come in to, will you share with me and like and then you know if, you, if it's me you're getting the floodgate you know I'm gonna share it all but uh yeah that's you know it's a, it's a tough industry but it's you know it keeps bringing me back so it's definitely a welcoming one so um just reach out before you give up I'd say I have found that the more that I'm open with my sobriety, the more sober people have come into my circle that I had no idea. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I had no idea. That's great. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a big move. You got a lot of fun stuff coming up in the future. So yeah. can you get like a, you know next year we'll replay this and like see where you're at because I feel like we're in a very um it's in a weird time I guess with like things in Washington we're still not we're open but like we still have a mask mandate and there's still like there's still structures so like 
doesn't feel fully open yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for now, I'm going to continue just sharing uh, the start of Own Your Funk, uh, you know, engaging with communities um, virtually. You know, I'm still going to be visiting cheese shops, trying to make content in creative ways. It's also very new to me. So, you know, just kind of exploring that route. But um, I am working on, like, uh, more intentional collaboration. So I want to do, like I mentioned, like with, with specific producers and really telling their stories because their messages are um, can be shared bigger and brighter. Um, so just like reaching in there again, like knocking on those doors um, and things. Um, so yeah, definitely I would say my website has that information on it. I'm looking to really uh, share more of my story through my content. So look out for more of that. And it's just, just disrupting the industry through various things. Um, at CMI, I did a cheese plate that was an EBT and snap focus. Um, so I'll do a blog post about, you know, EBT and how that kind of, you know, um, socioeconomic issues impact cheese purchasing. So just more, uh, deep thinking stuff coming from me and then I just want to want to hear from from the people around me in terms of what they what they haven't seen from the industry that they want someone to just put out there I'm happy to uh to chat about any types of things like that so yeah that's exciting I feel like we need a disruption exactly. um yeah. I've got three <laughs> quick fire questions okay oh god oh god current okay. cheese crush oh man um line to line um, Blakesville Creamery, uh, Veronica Pedraza is a friend of mine. Um, I love all the cheeses that she puts out. Anything she makes is gold to me. Um, but that there's just so many steps in the process. And if you're someone who knows the, the craftsmanship behind cheese, um, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful cheese. Um, yeah, got a crush on that. I was fortunate enough to have some when I was out in Minneapolis and I got some at France 44 and me and Aaron, Clancy pants and no, enjoyed clean. it for a brand. We enjoyed it for breakfast and it was wonderful and like perfect. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, favorite pairing, just across the board, whatever. Um, I'm a snack lover. So I like a good, like, uh, like a cheddar or something that's going to give me a, a nice little zip with like a popcorn or caramel corn. I feel like that's like, a go-to for me. I love caramel corn, like a salty sweet combination. So yeah, probably might get my snack. Very Chicago style popcorn, the cheddar and caramel. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think that's probably it. I mean, I got lots, but that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. Uh best cheese memory. And it can be a time that you ate cheese or a time that you were with people that you really loved and it's just a memory that's forever stuck in your head. That would probably be when I did a baked batch on Mont Dore for my family uh, a couple years ago. Um, there's a video of it on my story on Instagram. Um, and so batch on Mont Dore, it was a smaller format wheel, um, seasonal wash on cheese. Um, and I got a video of everyone kind of taking their first bite. So like these long, like, you know, it's like gooey cheese, kind of like fondue texture. And like, you know, my dad, takes the cheese and puts it in his mouth and just makes this face that's just like like it's just like you see the whole moment of like um and I catch it on camera and it's my dad you know his daughter's a cheesemonger like what is she doing over here I didn't pay for school for cheesemongering 
Um, so it was just a really nice moment um, when I think back on it, whenever I watch it, it's just like he embraced cheese and this weird, funky cheese that he didn't understand. And we're, we, he is, eats a lot of food and we're very um, exploratory like with our palates, but he had never had this product before. And like, it was just, it's just, that's definitely a moment. Like, so like, yeah, shared experience that I, that I created is, is probably the memory for me. Yeah. I have my own personal memory with Vacheron when uh, the month before I got sober, I was uh, traveling through Europe and we were in Besançon and my friend took me to the cheese shop and we bought a big, the big one (laughs) and they like baked it up the way that the French are known to do. And it was one Mm -hmm. of the most amazing experiences and so simple and rustic, but like, just, it's going to be forever in my mind. So I love that you got to share that with your family and that's a, it's a great memory. Yeah. Just like those, I mean, food memories just do that to people, right? Like they can like, and cheese, just everyone loves it. So like, yeah, I love giving that to people. So it's so cool. Yeah. So easy. <laughs> Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you feel that people need to know about you or on your funk or anything like that? Um, yeah, just some other uh, things that I think are important to talk about that I'm connected with. Um, so I, as part of Own Your Funk um, partnership education, I definitely have a focus on people of color, really trying to educate that in that um, industry, that demographic for those social economic groups of people um, who haven't really been tapped. Um, in addition to that, I uh, work with a nonprofit called the Cheese Culture Coalition. Um, so all of my work is kind of tied together, pretty trying to be pretty uh, intentional with the work because somebody needs to be. Um, so I love that Whitney Roberts started this nonprofit and I and was so, I feel honored to be, have asked you on the board of directors. And so the Cheese Culture Coalition um, is a nonprofit that uh, focuses on, focuses on um, providing empowerment and inclusivity uh, to people of color in the, the food and cheese farming industry. So we provide free educational classes to uh, students. So with this pandemic situation, we've had some difficulties finding students uh, to teach. You know, teachers really don't, they, they would love to give them, their students free cheese education, but it's really not a priority. Why not? Um, but we do a lot of great work with them. Uh, I do a lot of great work with them. Uh, so uh, the Cheese Culture Coalition, I just wanted to, to mention because they're, it's really important to me um, and important part of the work that Own Your Funk does and really just um, an, an intentional uh, step in the cheese industry that I think everyone, if you're in the industry, should know about that organization. Um, it's, it's still a, a growing thing, but the biggest thing is growing a community first and then we can educate the people. Um, so yeah, definitely look into that. And if you know some kids, if you're a teacher, all that stuff, I definitely, uh, yeah, would love um, for more, more people to get involved with that organization. So I just want to, yeah, give it a quick shout out. Um, that, I that's will, where I spend most of my time too. <laughs> I will post the links in the show notes so everybody can find Thank their you. way because it is a very important thing that we need to be supporting in our industry. And there's a lot. We, yeah. we, could, we could get into some like really heavy topics about what needs to change right now. Yeah. And so, so that's why Own Your Funk, we're going to start off with like the, the fun stuff. And then like, I'm, you know, slowly making partnerships, you know, uh, with organizations to, you know, make those intentional changes. Uh, some of the things we talked about today are actually things I'm working on, but can't like, super share yet. 
Um, but yeah, definitely, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. And it, it's happening. The change is happening. Yeah, exactly. Slowly but surely. We're doing it right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Giving people platforms like 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 you do with this programming and educational um, series um, is awesome. So I'm definitely super grateful and thankful uh, to have this opportunity. And I just love that I got to see you. And yeah. describe my feelings about this conversation and getting to have it on the week where I celebrated 10 years of continued sobriety made it even more special. I'm so proud of you, Kira, and I'm so excited to watch you grow, funk and all. Links are in the show notes to find Kira and all of the important work that she is doing. I've also added a link to Ben's Friends, which is a sober and recovery peer group for those in the food and beverage industry. If you are questioning your relationship to alcohol, you don't have to do it alone. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram and Facebook. I post full video recordings over on Patreon and would love to hear topics or people you think need the spotlight. Thanks for listening. And remember to keep spreading the word of good courage.